keeping a positive mindset, you can get down in the dumps yeah. like very quickly. And with me, I couldn't swim. I have to say, I had such amazing friends. Like, um, I can't even think to name them all. And you couldn't go into naming them all, but my friends were around me from start to finish. I didn't actually have enough time. Like, my dad was incredible. Like, he literally drove me from, like, drove me to physio, drove me to the hand consultant, drove me everywhere that you could and Marty was amazing it was just taking the ups with the downs like you know you're going to have a lot of ups and you're going to have a lot of downs too and I think being told that I wouldn't get full movement and where I was going to be and what I was doing was pretty difficult because I was like I was like literally at the highest point I'd ever been from a from all three sports perspectives if I'm honest with you um and then just crash like that it's just something that can happen and I guess it's just something that sucks but you have to be able to get back from it and I think I was in for surgery on the Tuesday got out of hospital on the Thursday and was back in the terminal on the Friday. That my friend is Laura Wiley and this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone what's happening hope you're winning the mental battle this week my name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host so welcome to the podcast. Today I have one of Ireland's best female triathletes, Laura Wiley from Temple Patrick in County Antrim. I have to say, I don't think I've ever met anyone with as much determination as Laura to rise to the top of your game in a very short period of time to have a horrendous training accident on the bike which left your supporting career in shatters to rise again and be selected to represent your country in the ETU Triathlon European Championships in 2018 Glasgow. I've been out training every day since listening to Laura's story, an amazing athlete who has the mindset of a champion. She joined the McConvoy Cycles teams a few weeks ago and scored a win on her first outing at the Kalinchi GP last weekend. An absolute amazing journey that she's been on. Before we start, this episode comes from the Dublin Mountain Marathon, which is held on the 11th of May. It's another great race from Don Hannon, Roar Ultra. I've been back on the mountains myself the last few weeks, so looking like I'm going to be able to hit the full distance, but there is also a half marathon option there. So why don't you check out the race on the Roar Ultra website? It's with great pleasure I give you Laura Wiley. So what... What was your history back in school and was there any some sort of sporting sort of Um, I swam competitively whenever I was a child. So I swam competitively from about 11 till I was probably about 15 at Ulster level, kind of Irish level. So did your parents drive you into swimming at that young age? My dad, yeah. yeah. It was always dad. Um, dad always brought us in. Uh, we swam for Lauren Swimming Club when I was younger. So, Lauren Tipman Club, either Tram and Lauren, we went to school in Belfast. So, it was awkward. But then, Lauren actually took on a Belfast pill because there were so many kids at school mm. in Belfast. So, we then were at school, but Dad still took us down to swim and came home, came back with our breakfast, came home. Like, my brother swam as well. Then I quit, probably, when I was about 15. Like, standard girl yeah. swimming quit age. I got injured, I got a back injury. And I was mentally much weaker then. Like, an injury was just like, right, that's it, okay, I'm done. Do you know then? And it wasn't coming back. But then, swimming coaches promoted swimming and just swimming and don't do anything else but swimming and you yeah. need to be a fish, basically. Whereas now it's promoted that everything, like, little land activities, I'm just weak. Because it's quite intense, really isn't it, weak. when you're younger? This, what swimming's, they put, 
very intense. It's very it's demanding. It's hard work. Like, hard, isn't it? hard, hard sport. It's like definitely, mm. out of the three sports, it's definitely the most demanding. It's quite a difficult balance to get with young kids, yeah. isn't it? Because you can really turn them off at that yeah. age. And it's also with 15, like you're at that 15, 16, like it's either a life or swimming. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it is. And I quit. I quit when I was 15. I did still swim socially i didn't ever get mm. out well i did get out completely for how, how, years. How, how many hours a week would you have been putting in back then probably the same as i am now to be fair probably like six seven sessions a week mm. in the film probably <clears throat> five now really i always say i'll do six but i never do um the triple session on a saturday is just not really my thing <laughs> but swimming is one thing like my two quid kids swim excellently yeah. You know, because when you get older, you get fear into yes. you. And it's it's really water and fear is what yeah. holds people back, isn't it? Yeah. And if you can get used to, if you can get your kids in when they're nice and early and get that fear away, then it's a lot easier to learn to swim. But if you take somebody that's like 30 years of age. So much more, it's so much different. Like, it's so, I would say swimming's triathlon based. Swimming's the hardest sport to teach because there's the water involved. And yeah. people. <clears throat> I find it a lot in triathlon and they're like, oh, but you can just swim. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I just swam out of the womb and I've never swam since. Like, it really annoys me because I'm like, I obviously have to put work in. And I'm like, oh, like they don't put work in because they see it as like the smallest gains. They're like, oh, I can get more gains on the bike. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. but if you swam, like the water would be more, like you'd feel happier in the water. You'd be more efficient in the water. Like the water doesn't feel like a spawning object, you know, mm. that kind of way. Like I didn't swim for a week when I was in Grand Canyon. Because you meant to work with the water, aren't you? Rather yeah. than, or otherwise you end it. up resisting it yeah. and fighting it. Yeah. I was in Grand Canyon for a week with boys and I didn't swim at all. Well, we got, we got in the sea, but like you weren't going to be able to do a session with them yeah. all waiting on you. Like. So I just got in the sea once or twice, twice, two days. We were in playing one day with them and then I swam out the other day. But you come back and you just feel like you've been out of the pool for like Yeah. Just, it's so it's the worst one. Like it's like one week out three weeks to get back job. Like that's <laughs> grand. It's good. And then I kind of got into triathlon accidentally. Like to be honest, the inability to say no. Like actually, I graduated uni, so I finished school and then I graduated uni. And just when I was in my last year at uni, I kind of started to be like, oh, I need to get fit. I was like going on holiday or whatever. And then I started spin classes. And mm. then I was working in Danske Bank at the time as well, actually. And I. They signed me up for the marathon or something. So then one of me and one of the girls I work with started like jogging, and I mean like jogging. And what age were you then? Like six. At uni, so I must have been 19, 20, 21. Okay. Probably twenty, probably twenty one, because it was the last year. It was the year I graduated. Then I graduated and I wanted another sport. So my dad had got a bike through the cycle to work scheme, and he got another one because he'd upgraded his yeah. first one, and it was a hybrid thing. And he was like, "Come out in this with me, sure, and we'll go and do." the local road so I thought I was amazing I was like oh <laughs> and then I was babysitting and one night and they were like oh you should come out with us like you should totally take up cycling I'm gonna I've just started signed up for an old bleach cycling club or something you should come with us so I was like okay I'll give it a go why not and I was on this flipping big hybrid thing and everyone else was obviously on their like flipping road bikes and I didn't have a clue then yeah. so I don't have a full clue but I know more now <laughs> than I did then but um yeah and then I got, just went from there, just escalated like, and then I got my own back. Got a wee Eddie Merckx. And then I... Good old Eddie. Ended up doing 100 mile the first day I got my own bike by accident. So I told my mum that I was going to go on the club run for a wee bit and I was going to come back. But I didn't realise at that time that you cycled way out and then you were like doing a loop. 
I kind of thought if I went out so far, I'd be able to turn around and come back. But then I got out, I said, I got out so far that it wasn't actually worth turning back and going on your own. So then I ended up doing 100 miles. So I showed my mum and I was like, Mum, I'm in Armagh and I still have to get back. She was like, right. It's a bit crazy that when you first got in the bike, isn't it? And all of a sudden you're like, geez, I'm in Armagh or I've gone 50 miles away from home. I'm still on the bike. I know. I'm not even in the car. No, I know. So it's brilliant like that as well. Like cycling's just escalated for me. So then whenever I was down there, they said there was a girl there and someone had said that I was a swimmer. Neil, I think the, I babysit for his kids. So he must have said, oh, Laura's coming today. She used to swim. This is her just starting cycling or something. And then there was a girl down there and she was like, there's a girl, Hazel Reed, And she said to me, um, oh, I used to be a swimmer. You should try triathlon. I'm a member of High Elbow Triathlon Club. You should come down. And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And this is on a Saturday and I went down on the Monday. And I was like, then I've never really like looked back. But effectively, mm. I only got one gear of doing what I wanted. Because like, I started, I got a bike in March 14. And I was away on a triathlon Ireland camp in December 14. Wow. Yeah. And who, who was with you on the camp? What made you go there? Triathlon Ireland camp. Yeah. As invited. Who was with me? Uh, well, what made, you, what made you go there like to begin with? So if you, it was only like six months in between. Yeah, so I'd raced. And so you had done a race then? You'd raced, yeah. So I raced a race down south called Athai. It's like one of the big, massive like mm. money-making jobs effectively and that was your first that race was, my was it second race because i'd done one of the ones up here rove valley or something up in limavada that was my first race so talk to me about the first race then so obviously swimming is the one thing that sort of holds people back a little bit like so that was no issue for you whatsoever no um you had the bike what what length was the race was it a sprint or sprint Olympic? yeah sprint so it was good yeah it was um 750 swim 20k bike, 5k run. Yeah. So it's a bit of a shock to the system. It is like, so one minute you're swimming, next thing you know you're on the bike. It happens so quick in a sprint, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a shock to the system. You kind of feel, coming out of the water, um, you put in your swim time. And I remember the very first race I did, and actually one of the guys, Stephen McComb from up, north has never let me forget um so the first swim our race i ever did it was a pool swim so you have to like talk in your okay. lane about what time you're going to swim and i had obviously been talking to the guys before being like oh this is my first race like they're all like what time are you going to swim and i said nine something and they were all laughing at me and they're like ha this little girl thinks she's gonna go nine something for the swim and he says literally he's never forgot that swim because i just lapped him so many times <laughs> but i've got put in the like the I call it the big boys wave, the big scary wave at the end. Um so it was good. It was a good experience as well. It just taught you like you're coming from yeah. a swimming position, you're up, you're on the bike, you're delirious and then you're out in the bike and then you're off the bike and onto the run. But the first experience is really good. It was just something mm. that I enjoyed. Because it's not good losing the first experience, it's all about finishing and just like, enjoying it. Exactly. It's all about enjoying it and the first Okay, your first race, the first good few races is all about enjoying yeah. it. It just, to be fair, it's still all about yeah, enjoying yeah. it. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. What was, can you think of any mistakes that you made in the first race? I know triathlon's a bit more complicated, so if you think of your transitions. Oh, um, yeah. I, I remember getting ready for the first one. My first one was try a try, just. Okay. And, um, I was going, what are you doing with that talk? <laughs> what are you doing with that baby oil? And they were giving all these... What are you doing that elastic band in your shoes? And I sound like a real numpty, not having a clue what to do. 
Um, but 10 seconds later, I was covering myself in baby oil and then I was putting um, talcum powder in my, sh- in my shoes and I was trying to hook my shoes up with elastic bands just because everybody else was there. I thought, I have to do this. Like. <laughs> I know. It is all about jumping on the crowds with triathlon. Um, the first one I did... I pretty much had someone holding my hand the whole way through it. There was, um, I joined High Elbow Triathlon Club and there was a lot of support. Uh, they were very supportive, um, particularly uh, Bryce Irvine. He basically took me by the hand to tell me what I was doing that day. Um, so they were just like, oh, we'll get her out of the water. And then I hadn't ridden a bike enough to know what I was doing. Yeah. I was basically lumped in the bike. And see, if it wasn't for Lance McCarthy, McCarthy from McCombie Cycles I literally would still be a big lump on a bike like he's just made me so much better and developed my cycling from like mm. being some numpty getting on a bicycle like myself to up here and coaching wise as well it's the same so it's just there's so many things that you can do wrong like there's <laughs> literally just so many things you can do wrong um, in your first triathlon but sure if you're perfect, then it wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, and you can never anticipate everything that is going to go wrong. No, and there's so many variables. Like, I can even bring it back to maybe not my first triathlon, but um, Glasgow. And they were all like, oh, use a magnetic helmet, use a magnetic helmet. But in Glasgow, so I have I have a magnetic helmet and I have a clip-in helmet. And my magnetic helmet straps twisted around the bar. So then you were like, oh, my goodness, it's all twisted. But... <laughs> um. It's just putting things under pressure. Like, no matter how yeah. many times you do it, you just have to practice. Like, transitions is something that I, hands down, don't practice. Swimming in open water is something that I, hands down, can say I don't do anywhere near enough of. Um, I'm a bit of not fond of the cold. So, I don't get in it. And I also, I hate driving to the sea whenever I don't live near the sea. And it yeah. takes so long to drive there whenever for a 30-minute session because it's absolutely Baltic to drive back. So, I... Yeah, there's just so much you can do. I remember do you talking about um, training transition. There's nothing looks more stupid than you train in transition in your in your park. So mm. I've got a video which shows um, like three different ways of doing different types of transition transitions. Mm-hmm. And I was training to cross over my leg, you know, come out of my feet, go onto the shoes, cross over my leg and then jump off the bike. Yes. And there's one time I come flying into the drive or into the park legs crossed I wanted to do it and I just stumbled and went head over heels <laughs> and there's two neighbours come out you know but they see me doing this like yeah. consistently doing this going what the heck is he doing like, I know it just looks crazy really yeah you but, do but it does help though it definitely know, does help um, I would be coached by Stephen Delaney who is the high performance director for Triathlon Ireland and I remember him telling me whenever he first initially started coaching me to come from my bathroom up the stairs with my wetsuit on, come down the stairs and out the front door and jump on my bike. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> like, I get so many strange looks for that. Um, I did do it. Um, and then I did plenty of practice in Dublin, actually, with him. in um, What's that big park called? Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah, in Phoenix Park. So, yeah, there. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And- can you remember then when you started to think, I'm really actually getting good at this? I have to say, I was absolutely horrendous at everything to do with cycling and running from the very start. Um, your, your swimming was locked and loaded. Swimming really was fine. I had a really good base of fitness and I had the basic techniques of swimming. But whenever I was swimming competitively as a child, I was actually a breaststroke swimmer. Okay. So, and a 50 metre swimmer at that. 
that even the 50 meters had pushing it out a little bit too far like 49 would have been really good <laughs> um so it was a complete shock going from like a short sprint event to an over distance freestyle event and yeah. um, it was a total change of training and everything so that was different um but yeah you have once you have the technique of swimming it's keeping at it and continuing and doing it mm. effectively um so yeah that was a shock to the system cycling wise it is just thinking on the swim there it is important though for those listening to that um to actually maybe go and get a video analysis done or, or some get somebody to actually a coach or somebody to review your swimming because 100%. efficiency and technique really are two things that because i used to go down to the pool and swim 100 lengths four times a week mm-hmm. when i used first started yeah and then i went and got a video analysis done by oliver harkin okay and i just couldn't believe what i seen yeah. on the video and I, I was swimming so in a f- i was doing everything i was telling people not to do it's like look at you you're crossing your arms and i was coming down the pool like a snake yeah <laughs> so awesome. but i wasn't aware of that yeah and I- he, he gave me some drills to do which brought me down to 20 minute sessions and it, it knocked something like two minutes off my 750 meter swim Okay. By, by swimming a lot less, but just working on certain drills that we're able to take those inefficiencies away. Yeah, I can't recommend getting someone to watch your swimming highly enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I still wouldn't say I'm anywhere near a perfect swimmer. I swim for Leander Swimming Club now, and I could still say that we, we're coached by Bobby Medine. Um, Bobby's been around a long time now, and pretty much founded Leander Swimming Club and has come the whole way through it and um, probably forgot more than I'll ever know um, as a swimming coach but still every morning he'd be there and he'd maybe just correct something like Laura you're swinging your arm maybe you're tired like there's still some things that you're never perfect yeah. and what do, you, what do you prefer in swimming then do you prefer the open water lake sea pool because it's so different like people I know some excellent people that are on the bike excellent bikers and excellent runners but they just can't really swim and I try and tell them, you know, when you've got a good wetsuit on, you're virtually floating in the wetsuit. You do, yeah, definitely. And, you know, your technique will just glide you through the water. And when you go to the open water, once you get past the fear of the open water, you just get into a rhythm. You feel like you can go for a long time. Because if you've got good endurance on the bike, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need to worry about endurance really in the swim. No, not at all. It's a shorter distance event, effectively. Um, I think the main thing in triathlon swimming is trying not to get beaten up by the people around yeah. you. Um, it's always a bit aggressive. Um, it's a real shock the first time you do it. Like Yeah, and it's I suppose racing domestically, there's generally two or three of us out and we're okay. There's no fighting or punching or anything like that. But I know whenever you start from experience, at the back and you're swimming through everyone, it's, um, it's shocking. It's yeah. crazy. I actually got a real shock for domestic racing this year at Belfast Titanic triathlon was it last year yeah last year so I got in the water and I wear a hub wetsuit and it zips up basically if you pull it up too far it releases and unlocks so whoever pulled up my wetsuit that day had pulled it up to the top but pulled it up a little bit too high so therefore I hadn't moved enough my own fault rookie error was talking too much probably and but whenever I got in the water then and did start to move the wetsuit just split open (laughs) So someone tried to obviously fix it in the water, but it just wasn't for happening. And the races was starting. Someone was, or Peter Jack was counting down the time, and I was trying to swim across the flipping pool to get someone to, uh, the flipping lagging, 
to get someone to raise up at my wetsuit and he said 10 9 8 7 6 5 4 3 2 1 I was still over at the side getting in my wetsuit so I jumped in like last minute and I couldn't believe it I was like oh my goodness you're literally deliberately whacking me why like (laughs) why do you want to fight me I will win (laughs) I will win this fight but um no I wouldn't be aggressive back either especially domestically because I don't think they need to I hope I, I remember to. my first sprint was actually the Titanic. Yeah. And I got punched in the head and then I got kicked in the head. And I, it was such a shock for me. Yeah. it was my first sprint. I'd done try a try. And even yeah. that, I stayed out to the side. But there, it was quite tight. Quite tight at the turn. Yes, wagon. yes. And I got punched and kicked. And I was like... Not it's on, shocking. Not on purpose. Yeah. But it's a shock. It is. And you're like... <gasps> Do I leave this race now? What happens? <laughs> you have to keep going like, I know, and I fight know. your way through it. I know. It's shocking. It is really bad. But in a roundabout way then, it's sort of, you become more in tune to it then. It becomes part of the fight, like part of the race. It does. And I would say like, sure, there's four disciplines to track on really, like a wee bit of boxing on the inside of the swim and all. But Flicking people's toes in front of you or if people are behind you, you start, you know. I know, I hate people touching my feet. <laughs> um, but no, say towards the front of the race and, and domestically anyway, there's no fighting. We're not aggressive people. <laughs> there is savages at the back. It's, it's savage at the back, it really is. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's definitely good. And when you go to the salt water then as well, salt water, to my surprise, you're even more buoyant. It's even easier to swim. Yeah, that you float in the sea, but people yeah. don't actually realise that there's such a panic of the sea around you and the fact that you don't see anything. My biggest problem with the sea is it's freezing in this country, but other than that, I wouldn't have any issues where where I swim. I don't really have a preferred race. The sea sometimes can be difficult in Northern Ireland because of siding yeah. and that side of things. Um, and what about rough water? How do you tackle that? That's something. Like, bring it on, take it on. Yeah. Like literally, it's quite good because it. <laughs> it defers back the weaker swimmers more than it would affect me. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't bother me at all, at all. And what about um? Have you ever entered any races where you just have to stay in your skin? Does it make a difference? Well, it wouldn't do to you, like non-wet suit. Non-wet swims. Yeah, we've actually had one in Ireland as well. Uh, last year during the hot weather, there was a race down south called Two Provinces, and they declared it a non-wetsuit swim that morning. So naturally wow. for everyone, you're like, Ireland, Ireland non-wetsuit <laughs> swim. Like, I don't even have the right tricet on for non-wetsuit swim. I didn't have prepared, weren't prepared at all. Um, it was category one race. So it was actually, it was a real shock to the system. But you know what? It was class. Just getting yeah. out and not having to take the wetsuit off. I totally prefer a non-wetsuit swim, to be honest. Um, you're a strong swimmer. Yeah, taking that wetsuit off and fighting with the wetsuit. Like, it's just unnecessary time in T1, really. Um, but... I wouldn't be brave enough to get in the cold either. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm I done Zurich, um, Ironman. Oh, okay. And the night before, I'd actually had a bad accident, um, car accident, so I couldn't swim for about seven months. So Fresh. I bought a good suit that had like one and a half millimeter knee print around the shoulders to give me a bit more flexibility. Yes. But I had five millimeters chest and three millimeters legs, so I was sort of relying on the suit a little bit. Yeah. And the night before, I got a message saying wetsuits are prohibited. And I was like, what does prohibit mean? <laughs> I saw it on you, but I didn't yeah, want to know. Yeah, and I giggled yeah. it and went, oh no, like it's there, like so. Um, but when you got into the water, the water was 26 degrees, and you were like, Jesus, like, how could you have got into in this? And it became actually quite liberating. Yeah. When you actually started swimming in it and got yeah, past. Yeah, definitely. I thought to myself, well, I'd rather swim to the boys. That's at least one thing I'd rather do. But it was fine when I started swimming, you got, got into your rhythm, even though my legs had dropped. 
because I was used to just the one thing with the, yeah, the, the pillow boy yeah and um, it was actually quite surprising how much I enjoyed the swim then crystal yeah. clear water Lake Zurich 26 degrees yeah um, so talk to me about the bike then and your coach I'm interested to hear because I've never been coached using the bike I just I'm lucky enough to live in the Mons yeah so I just use the Mons oh definitely as crazy strength training and um, so my biking ability started from absolutely zero, like petrified, the worst cyclist. I could ride the cycle in a straight line, no problem, I suppose. That's like quite a substantial amount of traffic, to be fair. But um, I didn't have any bike handling skills. You wouldn't have seen me dead descending anything. Yeah, it takes a lot of nerves, <laughs> um, like, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. And I was petrified, but like um, perseverance and... Um, coaching perseverance, I would also say, on triathlon Ireland camps with Stephen, literally taking me down the hill, follow follow my wheel, and just building confidence from that. Um, I guess now I wouldn't have a fear at all. I would probably go down the hill probably a little bit too fast. Um, but I absolutely love it now. Whereas mm. before, and that's what I said to some of the boys I was away, away in Gran Canaria with. Um, I was away with the McConvies team, yeah. and I was like, if I came here three years ago I would be lost down the back of that mountain somewhere because I'd probably be off the cliff because I would have been so scared like just the descents in Gran Canaria are just unbelievable yeah. same with the climb obviously the climbs are the same but the descents are just unbelievable but if you didn't have the skills developed then you would break yeah all day. <laughs> no it wouldn't be okay um, especially for me because I came from absolutely nothing I've had a lot of people that have worked with me through from starting triathlon and the people that you work with have changed, but the consistency, especially with the McCombies lads, especially with Lance um, McCarthy, he took me on, I think it was in 2015, it was possibly 2016. But now when you bring back up the before and after photos, you're just like, oh my goodness, did I actually look like that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not me. And he has all the photos. So I actually can't recommend in relation to a bike and improving your bike, a bike fit mm, highly enough. Yeah. Because when I look back at my photos, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's not me. Like, that is horrendous. Like, um, it just develops your cycling. And I suppose cycling with people who are better than you um, is a big thing, but with people without egos. Yeah. So it's quite difficult, um, especially as a female athlete in a male-dominated sport. But I would find that cycling with people who are... I would cycle with people who are better than me. And generally... Um, like whenever I started, I got dropped all the time, but it's just having the determination to come back and get that little bit further the next time yeah. and not let that put you off, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's good. I suppose cycling, cycling's time-consuming too, and swimming's definitely the most demanding physically. Mm, that's going to be the wrong word. Physically sport, but cycling takes up so much time. Yeah. It's so much time and commitment. And having a structured training plan and sessions, like... um. I would have the turbo set up at someone, well, it's actually not even in my house anymore. It used to be in my house all the time, but it's just up in one of my friends' house, just up the road, and then we would do turbo sessions together as well. So well, that was good, you have somebody to... It's good to have someone to constantly train with, yeah. and even if you're tired, like sometimes coming from work and you're just like, oh, the turbo, no. Um, but it's just getting on with it. It's having yeah, I, I haven't structure. been on the bike in about a year, because I've focused on my running right. for the last, well, almost two years now, to be honest. And this month, I plan to do a thousand miles on the bike. Oh my goodness. I failed miserably. <laughs> in a month? Yeah, in a month. But I failed because of the injury, because I was coming back and I helped build the endurance. Yes. I thought, well, I need to do something. And I 
fail miserably, by the way, just on what you said there, time. Yeah. yeah. I just did not have the time to get on the bike. And the weather was being crap as well. Yeah. Which hasn't helped. helped. No. And um but it does it does take time, you know. I was doing like ten, twelve hours a week on the bike. Yeah. When I was training for the Ironman, which is very loaded sort of training sessions like and if you're going out to do 100 miles, you're talking five, five and a half, six hours. Yeah, and you're talking more than that. By the time you leave your house and you get back yeah. to your house and you Cream have a wee stop and you have clean and get stuff, your yeah. ready and, you know, it's a good yeah. half day. Like, it's a full day. It's, I think it would be particularly challenging, especially if you do have little ones or you have kids or you have, you're trying to really structure life around, mm. or triathlon around life and sport around life and effectively you're trying to be able to compete in three sports at the top level to <laughs> compete in one but there's there is two sides of it though there is also a bit of i know it's training but it is also my me time yes as well 100 percent. and it's just time to because even if you're doing 100 miles on the bike it's when you get your strength back up on the bike you know it can be quite liberating when you you're feeling strong on the bike mm-hmm. and like i know you do a lot of racing on the bike as well yeah tell me a bit about that then because you've won quite a few races as well um it all came around a wee bit accidentally so again inability <laughs> to say no laura will you do this bike race it was a guy um josh murray i cycled from maryland and josh murray said to me oh i do the bike race i've never been so nervous in my life i probably had that boy really really stressed out before i actually did the race and even his mum but even his mum was like to me she, like she that was the wee girl who was really stressing out to you and um i was right my first race was a Tommy Given, it's up in Hillsborough direction, and good hilly one. Yeah, I did it, and it was fine. I got round. I was just like, I don't want to get dropped. Um, but it was really good. And then the next year, did I? Was that? I think I broke my arm after that. Yeah, the next year I broke my arm, and then the next that year I didn't really race because I broke my arm in June, and then last year was the first year where I truly raced the bike. So it was good. Again, I started it for the crack for a bit of training. I didn't have a clue, like. Honestly, bike racing and triathlon are like two entirely different sports. Mm. Um, bike racing is very, very technically minded and it's not necessarily the strongest rider or the person who can yeah. put out the most power who wins. It's probably technically the smartest rider that will sit in and have a good sprint at the end. But my mindset doesn't work like that and I just think, oh well, I'll just ride around, it'll be grand. Um, but yeah, so was bike racing last year, the Ulster League, I actually ended up winning it, so it was good. Um, good oh. challenge. Did that come out of the blue? You winning that? Was there any sort of expectations? I went in with absolutely no pressure. I don't know what expectations other people have. They seem to think I'm a cyclist, but I'll just remind them that I'm not um, (laughs) all the time. Um, Yeah, I suppose there was always the pressure once you won your first race that you kind of wanted to keep going. Um, But it's a good confidence booster though. Yeah, I missed a couple of the races as well. I think there was a race on whenever I was away in Canada, and I think there was a race on when I was in New York on a train... with the training camp bike holiday of my bike um but yeah so i missed a couple of the races so i never really knew how it was going to go i didn't plan the season around bike racing they just trained through the bike race it mm. wasn't like anything was changed in the week or anything for it it was just done as a bit of training at the end of the week really that's good crazy fun. Isn't yeah it? good fun so training. what about the run then so moving into the run were you naturally Gifted runner? <laughs> no, um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Um, for me, I was a weak swimmer. Um, starting running has been a really long process of injury, setback, injury, setback, run, get consistent. Oh, look, I'm injured again. Um, I think just from ha- from being a swimmer as a 
kid who didn't have the impact sport from a young age. Mm. So I think that really affected me um, from starting out. And I think that the quick everything approach from swimming initially probably, and I think it's been seen now by most coaches, isn't the right thing. Um, but each setback I kind of found as a hurdle. And I was like, how do I get back from this? Um, was it last year, maybe a year and a half ago now, I joined East Antrim Harriers. Um, so they've been amazing. Um, I think that's important then, because you've joined like bike clubs, uh, running clubs. Do you think that's been an intricate part? Yeah, 100%. Where you're at. I think if you train on your own all the time, you'd be first of all very lonely, second of all very bored, and third of all probably mental, because you'd spend up a lot of time with your by yourself. But you're, you're always putting yourself into a group of people that are slightly better than you which will pull you on yeah definitely and I would say that especially with the East Antrim Harriers the boys are all very very strong like they're all yeah, pretty pretty much all three sub three hour marathon runners <laughs> and then there's me um but yeah no it's really good um I would have a run coach and well John would look after all my running a guy John Neil um and he's fab he literally thinks like me acts like me he basically is me. <laughs> um, he is me. Yeah I know um so he's brilliant and I just wouldn't be where I am now without the other people around me. Because running is difficult at the beginning, isn't it? You have yeah. to, your body's not used to that and you have these, biking obviously then has crossed over slightly and given you some sort of strength. <laughs> yeah. There's some I debate s- about whether it does or doesn't. <laughs> it does, it doesn't, yeah. A lot of people have different opinions. Um, cycling and running, I kind of started in the same year, 2014. Um truthfully like you you jogged about maybe because someone told you that you're slightly fit and you could probably run a leg of the marathon or something like that before that but other than that nothing really for me um so everything was new those both sports uh run wise see to be honest at the start I just plodded around the place and you have that fitness so you have a natural fitness so it's not my issue was that my legs didn't like the load so it was shin splints it was stress fractures it was You've gone over on your weak summer ankle. Um, that was probably like this ankle injury, knee injuries, like just mm. silly things that you pick up from probably just learning running about really badly, learning well. about yourself, probably probably running a bit too much too soon. But again, it wasn't like I went out to do 100 mile a week or anything crazy. I did just go out nice and relaxed. Um, the roads, yeah. pre- the roads are pretty hard. The roads are hard on you, and I guess it's finding the right trainer for you too. Mm. Um, I went through and fell out with a lot of brands. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a minefield though. It is it very is. difficult until you find that one shoe. And then what you find is they change you from year to year, and then all of a sudden your favourite shoe has become hard. Yeah. So then, then you're out on the minefield again. I have been with Mizuno, like the Wave Rider shoe, and I swear if I ever change that, I will cry because <laughs> it's been the perfect shoe for me. And um, I find it like it has worked so well for me. Again, someone else could absolutely hate Mizuno's. It is such a personal yeah. opinion. Um, but I find the fab and. If they ever change them, I probably will cry because I'll probably get some form of niggle again. Um, touch wood so far, I've been okay. Um, running wise, I was injured from about October till Christmas there, but that was more from wait for this too much sitting. So I would have quite a sedentary real life job, um, outside of sports. So, uh, you're in meetings and you're sitting mm. down quite a lot. So you just even have to be consciously active that you you're not sitting down too yeah. much at work. It um, really is. It's got, you're going to hear this more and more, um, but they say that sitting is the new smoking. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, 
I actually have a moving desk and most of us in work do. Um, and the desk going up and down is just so helpful in relation to the fact that you can stand up. Yeah. And I know people maybe don't like standing up and they can't get, I don't know, I love standing up. So I've, that's how I've kind of got it's over just it. Habit, but really. You blamed everything under the sun. Like I did the great done drum run or the great yeah. eight or something talk into these running races it's not like no. yeah yeah i know <laughs> i can't um so uh i did it this year and then i was pretty much straight after that um i picked up an injury the next week and you're blaming absolutely everything but sitting and then look, it all came down to that in the end and i suppose now you don't sit as much in your back running and that's yeah. i remember when i started running you know i used to have terror i used to have like it band issues yeah and um just from weak glutes on my oh, adductors. Yeah, absolutely. The shapes I used to be trying to even put a pair of jeans on because my adductors were getting strained. But it all came from sitting. So when you're sitting down all most of the day, you know, you're not using your adductors so they're shrinking. Yeah. Absolutely. The same and your glutes are just really, really weak because you're not really using them. So the first yeah. couple of years I was getting a lot of injuries, but it was all sort of coming from that. And it was just from come sitting down and not using those muscles. It's crazy. I yeah. couldn't believe it. Like you had everything under the sun. I had the the bike, everything, everything. I was like, oh my goodness, why am I going to run? And then when you can't do something, the good thing about triathlon is there's always something you can do. Yeah, I have to. I Generally. Have, I do have to say now, because when I was going through triathlons, yes. and then I said, right, I'm going to focus now on running. Yeah. And getting the paces where I want to be before I move off into longer distance stuff. Um, I actually started picking up a lot of niggles and started getting slower. Because when you're running all the time, it's such, it was such a heavy load. Now yeah. I look back. Whereas I used to be able to fall back into swimming, fall back into the running. All the swimming was giving me good recovery from the swimming and the bike. Yeah. Or, you know, you're moving between them. Absolutely, and yeah. You, and you can maintain your fitness doing that. Oh, yeah, definitely. No doubt about it. Definitely. I would say coming back from injury as well, I would find that quite difficult um, because you know you've been told to go and do 10 minutes or 20 minutes or something like that and but one of my training buddies would be Michael McDonald and I'm running along talking to him I'm absolutely fine he's able to go on and do his hour and a half run or whatever he's doing and I'm like okay I've done my half an hour now I have to be okay with this because physically you're totally okay to do it but you need to build it back so slowly um so I'm building it back I've built it back very slowly this time actually um pretty smart for once and listening to listening to your body as well is so important that's key like because i always talk about getting back onto the ladder yeah so you come off the ladder way at the top a lot of people make the mistake of trying to get back get onto back to where, exactly they come off. where they were you have to start back on the bottom climb back and you up. do and i would say that massively um okay i have plans to do some running races and stuff over winter but obviously that mm. all went out the hill and you just have to take it and move on to a new goal. Like a stupid stuff. I was going to do the Christmas cracker with John and you just set a new goal. Do you know, mm-hmm. something else. Take your mind off Time it. goes by so quickly and there's so many races coming up. Yeah. So it's just about being patient. Constantly races. There's time. so many. What, what sort of times were you running in your, did I see like an 18 minutes in your 5k? Yeah. Off the, the bike. Sprint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it 38 minutes in your 10k? Yeah. Like that's phenomenal running. Um... Yeah, it's off the bike. No, I think the 10K is possibly slightly short. Um, and I'll cut that out. Titanic. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it's good. Running definitely developed. It started from like absolutely nothing to coming on. A and short then, period of time as well. You're only talking four or five years. Yeah, but. and I guess it, 
I kind of I'm such a high achiever myself and put so much pressure on myself and there's no one else putting pressure on me like it's me effectively um but I just want to be better and you want to be better for the people around you too and the people that train with you as well so like the McCombies lads especially they've put so much in to me and I want them to get as much back from me as they can as well like so I never want to be like on your own or you're never on your own effectively like as much as it's an individual sport but there's a lot of other people that help you get to where you are now and where you want to be and I think this year I've joined the McCombie Cycles race team so it's all very exciting um and this is the first year it's quite a big unknown for you as well the bike yeah well going into the McCombie race like what's all ahead of you absolutely it's unknown and I guess it's just putting your trust in the McCombie's boys so Eamon and Lance and everyone else in the team as well so it's you just, must feel it's, pretty excited about that though. yeah so excited and getting asked to do it as well was great it was just like oh yeah 100% like there was no really doubts in my mind I don't, I don't like letting anyone down and you don't like leaving clubs either because obviously people in the previous clubs that you were in helped get you to where you are today or shaped you into the person mm. or the athlete that you are now um, but you just have to go for yourself and see where you can go further mm. and You'll always appreciate what clubs you always appreciate, you yeah. You'll always appreciate what you from, clubs, like, and you always appreciate what you came from, and the people who helped you at the start are yeah, always yeah. the people that are still about. Like I would be the person that would maybe finish my race and wait till everyone else finishes. I'm not going to run away, or that's the difference between cycling and triathlon as well. Like triathlon's a friendlier sport, a hundred percent, no mm. questions asked. And running's the same; it's real friendly. Everyone talks to each other. There's a lot, it's nice there's a the lot more ego on the bike. A lot of ego. A hundred percent. It's such a testosterone fueled environment. <laughs> um, sometimes, but I don't know. It's still good. I still love it. Yeah. It's still it's totally different. It's, it's a quite different challenging as well. Like. It's a different challenge, and it gives you something to do. And like the bike as well. There's so many variables. Like you could get a puncture. There could be wind coming from the wrong way. Like you have to think about so much. Stuff. There's one thing I find on the run, like I can blow up sort on the run and still get through it. Sometimes I'm talking on the lot longer stuff. Yeah, now, yeah, like, yeah. On the bike, sometimes I just hit a switch and I'm empty. Yeah. And I've got like twenty miles to go home, like, and I'm just like. And that's just... the worst twenty miles and of your life. And there's no bringing it back. No. You are just empty, like. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Whenever we were in Grand Canaria, there, um, it was actually. Lance had said at the start of the trip, someone's gonna go bang every day, and I was like. <laughs> I'm not going to go bang, I'm not going to go bang. And to be fair, I didn't. I actually kept it together the whole week. There was three of us that kept it together. Um, myself, uh, training partner Jack and Michael. And we were all very proud I of ourselves. see all these people going together. on this training session in the sun. Like, I know. Oh. Everybody knows going on a week's training session. Oh my goodness, I know. Everyone's away constantly. Um, you see it flat out from we yeah. were away till probably it's the end of the year. Like, it is. And that's why I would always call it a holiday with my bike. Yeah. Um even though people don't appreciate it, we still like have good. It's it's great at this time of year for your body though to get into the sun. It is and, and get, get some vitamin D and actually get some shorts on. I think we yeah. went away at perfect week. Um, yeah, because the month of March has been quite miserable. It's been shocking. And I have felt it. You know, yeah. I've, I'm just like I need some sun now. Come on, yeah, give me something here. We came home from Grand Canaria and the weather was shocking the whole week, and you were trying to get training in. Yes, you were having a bit of a recovery week, but. Whenever there's a gale blowing outside in the snow, you've just come back off a hard week. It's also hard to try and not get sick. Um, airplanes just aren't really places for fit people. <laughs> like, 
I was like, I'm going to go on with my McConvey's bath over my mouth and nose so that no one looks at me. And they were like, I don't really think that that's the most appropriate thing on a plane, Laura. But, um, yeah, no, I, I've, you got the dreaded lurgy whenever you came back, just that sniffles, cough, and you're just trying to get over it and get back into training. Like, I hate missing training. I am really quite, like, I really do. It really bothers me. Um, not in a bad way, though, not in an, like, an obsessive way, in the fact that, I'm like, oh my goodness, I really want to do that session. So I didn't run last night because I was a bit tired. So, But I know it's the smartest thing for me. Yeah, I don't, if there's no gains in a run, well, if you're tired and if you're not feeling 100%. Um, Have you got a favourite discipline out of those three? Out of cycling, swimming and running? Mm. Training-wise, I absolutely love the bike. But there's a lot of things to say. Like I love swimming too. Actually, to be fair, I love them all as long as I'm with the people I love to train with. So running-wise, it'd be like John and Michael and then the East Antrim Harriers um, lads. Swimming-wise, I wouldn't get up every day if I didn't love it. You're up yeah. at five. Um, but you also have Bobby and Catherine on poolside absolutely every morning. Rain, hail or shine. Might I also add that Bobby's about 80 years old. Um, but he... Like, you just couldn't miss it, honestly. I actually What's had a t- What does a typical training week look like then? Um, generally, I would swim the five mornings of the week. And that's partially because I live here and I don't really like the traffic on the M2 in the morning. Um, but I would swim... We'd be in the water for six. We would swim in Olympia, Legendar, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. And then we'd swim in Avenue Wednesday and Friday. Um, generally, a Monday evening, I... I would do yoga after work. Um, we do, do you find that's important 100%. to maintain your flexibility? Oh my goodness, yes. I stopped it for a while whenever I started back um, working again full-time and because it was the same night as physio and I've noticed 100% the effect. It's, it's a key word that's sort of been kicking about now and even the men are starting to... Oh, 100%. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. I don't... You know, at first they didn't feel... Um, Laura Driscoll, we did a podcast with... And she actually set up um, yoga for athletes. Just right. changed, changed the title, yoga yeah. for athletes. And it just got filled with guys straight away rather than just yoga. Um, but it's something I want to move into as well. But it just helps release and reconnect and give you that flexibility back, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, yeah, 100%. So Monday would generally be yoga. Monday, like not much else. Home, bed. <laughs> um, I'd be such an early bird, like but 9 o'clock is bedtime. I have found, especially when I was doing triathlon, is critical. Like. Oh my goodness, yeah. It's so important. And I would notice, for example, I would find it quite difficult to sleep on a Tuesday night after a hard run session. Mm-hmm. And I would find that like if I don't get to sleep, it affects your wake. You're like, oh, and why is it on a Tuesday? But like I would do the club session on a Tuesday night, so we don't start till seven. So I'd probably not be home till about half eight. So what does that consist of? Um, so the club session at the minute generally consists, a kind of so there's about four sessions we would do in winter, and there's about there's similar rotations in summer, and um, everything's kind of kept so you can see your own progressions, mm. and there'd be a night of eight hundreds, which is delightful, and um, there's a night of hill reps. There's a night of like just some tempo efforts up and down a hill on yeah. a ledger centre path. There's eight efforts. And it's a good strength training then. Yeah, what else is there? There's one other session. Oh, like a four, three, two, one pyramid kind yeah. of session. Um, so it just depends on the week. Again, none of them would put me off. Um, I mean, the session's a session. You have to get on with it. And no matter how you feel, you base it on how you feel that day. And realistically, effort's an effort. Um, 
you kind of base it on RPE, like rate, rate of exertion on how you feel that day. Um, but again, I would be quite competitive and I would find that difficult coming back from injury to kind of keep it back. Um, sometimes I know I'm definitely bad at that. Uh, but it's good because the guys in the club keep you grounded. Plenty of people to train with. Um, the club's been brilliant for me um, from start to finish. The guys are all really supportive. Um, there's always someone that will warm up and cool down with you, you know, especially... To be honest, I joined East Antrim Harriers because John joined East Antrim Harriers. <laughs> and that's where that's the direction he went. So I was going there too. It's not too far from home and mm-hmm. it really sits me, but I like have no regrets in the club I joined. So how many sessions a week do you run? Um, at the minute it's four, but that's coming back from injury. Um I would generally do a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and a weekend. Um, depending on whether it's Friday or Saturday, it's tomorrow morning this time. <laughs> Um, because I'm racing on Sunday, but generally it'll be a Sunday morning, and generally Michael makes me get up ridiculously early for a long run, but I don't mind because um we would meet McCombies for a club spin at nine, so as long as I make the club spin. So you do the run enough. first, and then go. Sometimes yeah. it's the wrong way around, but do you know what? Yeah. Time's time, and getting it done is getting it done, and I'm definitely more of a morning person than an evening person, um. So. And early mornings, not a shock to my system. I think it's probably probably just been drilled into me from such a young age. Um, but yeah, definitely. How many bike sessions then? Um, probably the two weekend days, definitely, and try to get one in during the week, whether it's in the morning. Um, and we'll probably towards the lighter mornings, we'll cut out a swim session and ride towards work via a longer method. <coughs> Cycling for McConvey's. There is a couple of lads that live around me, so Thomas Crichton's just up the road, okay. um, and head into the glens. Yeah. So it's perfect. Those roads are perfect, like much better than those on Newcastle mm. roads down there. <laughs> um, I do go down to Newcastle as well. One of my best friends and training partners, um, Nathan, would be down there. Um, and he would actually live in Newcastle, just off Main Street. Okay. So we do come up around the mornings and stuff too. So you do see so much in Northern Ireland, and I guess you do, you do a good tour, like. tour of the cafes as well because yeah. so, not, not an end to 95 miles or something because the crow flies you know top to bottom or something like yeah. that so when you go out on the bike and you go for a 100 mile spin you do pretty much can cover quite a bit of ground can't you definitely and it's so nice like, in, all, in all the countries you go to I always say this as well like Mallorca yeah. people who go to Mallorca and lie on the beach like I'm victim to it too see a holiday when you get to go and lie on the beach and you don't move and you go outside when the sun comes up and you go back inside and the sun goes down but you don't see the truth of the islands. Like, you don't see the beautiful areas yeah. that you could see on the bike. And I would say the same with Gran Canaria. Like, some of the views were just absolutely spectacular. But unless you're up there on a bike, you mm. wouldn't be going up there. It was not It's like when I visit all the cities I go to, especially through work and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I always bring running shoes, obviously. And I go and run down all the little streets yeah. or whatever. And you're just amazed at what you see. Oh, 100%. And I can say that as well for Gran Canaria. We went on a run in Gran Canaria and let's just say running in Gran Canaria where <laughs> we were staying is not fun. But um it's all those probably you probably would quite like it. It's all those kind of like off roady traily yeah. things where I'm more than likely to break an ankle. Um but yeah, it was great. And like at one stage you were out and me and Michael were literally climbing over a wall to try and find another path because yeah. we'd absolutely no idea. Oh, I have, have run into some dodgy areas in America thinking I shouldn't be here at oh, all. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's great though, like and it's, I think sport gives you a release from it all as well. Yeah. Like especially like, I think there's a lot on mental health nowadays too. And I think 
that for example getting outside and going on your bike would help so much so many people well, i can like, tell i can tell when i'm injured oh, how much my mood changes and, and, I, and how hard a work is yeah but when i'm out running and i'm out biking or like if i'm at home from work and i'm exhausted and i go for a swim and come back like i'm reborn you're buzzing yeah and I would say that too, and I think from a non-athlete perspective, or for someone who doesn't participate in sport or a physical activity, they don't understand and they don't actually get where you're coming from. Like, I would say if I didn't get up for swimming, I would be tireder going into work than if I got up and went to swimming, because after yeah. swimming, I'm like buzzing because you've had a good session. Even if you haven't had a good session, you've still done something. Even um, regulating the air, I think, helps. Yeah, oh, 100%. Oxygenating your body properly. Yeah definitely and it just you're ready to go for the day i would find um for every pound i always say to people you know because when i'm not training i think to myself how the hell do i do that do you know what i mean you're doing like 14 hours a week um but for i always tell people like for every pound of energy you spend you get two pound of energy back no matter how you're feeling 100 percent, yeah no matter how you're feeling and even if you've had a really bad day and the training session didn't go to plan or I don't know, you plan something and you can't do it. You just take a step back and just mm-hmm. think, like, this is what my body wants me to do today. And take what you get. Like, I can speak from experience too. I've had an obsessive personality. <coughs> and I've dug myself into a hole. And you're just so tired. You're exhausted. And the plan says this, I have to do it. But no, I just take, like, the outlook mm-hmm. of... The plan is a guide. And if you're not feeling up to it because you have external stressors outside of sport like sport's not <coughs> the be all and end all in the situation you have to think about um everything yeah. there's other it's things in life right. yeah it's getting it's the balance right and what about nutrition then you're talking about balance do you is that something you focus on so i just podcasted Matt and he's like no it's not me had a bottle of diet coke in his hand oh and, I, and he's a phenomenal athlete and definite like, I don't, coke I don't do that at all. Like, so. I have spoken to nutritionists and that side of things. Um, I would take into consideration, I'm not saying, I would take it into consideration definitely and I would know that what my body can take and what it, what it likes and what it doesn't like and you know, it doesn't mean you, like, you stick to it 100%. Mm. I would definitely be like a Diet Coke person, well, Coke Zero person. <laughs> um, I'd probably but do you, drink too like, much in your, of that. Just in your ordinary diet, like do you focus more like on like sort of plant-based food or you don't focus that way at all oh no definitely a meat eater um steak is the key to my happiness too um no but i mean would you eat sausage rolls and burgers oh well no well but within again within everything balance is in moderation balance is key um i'm not going to eat i'm not going to go to mcdonald's seven nights of a week but i'm not saying i'll never eat a mcdonald's you know that kind of way i think nutrition is such an important factor definitely um I think getting the balance right is right important too in relation to fats, proteins, carbohydrates. I would take into consideration, I would use my fitness pal and I would like take that into consideration, but at the same time I still have a life and I'm yeah. not like, no. But my fitness pal is good, not just for a calorie count, I used it for fat, protein and carb to make sure I was getting the right balance of food, yeah. especially fats and, and sugars, like yeah. how much sugars I was eating, I was like, whoa, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a really good indicator for that. It's a really good indicator and it shows you kind of basically that you're getting enough in so mm. i don't want and necessarily want a negative energy balance because that's when you're more likely to get injured and everything goes downhill and um, that's not what i want so when speaking to nutritionists you have a really rough guide in relation to what your body wants and what your body needs so 
I actually, whenever I spoke to nutritionist and they told me they were back down, I didn't have anywhere near enough fats or protein yeah. in my diet on a daily basis. And I think you're probably like, probably not having too many carbs, but the the balance wasn't there. So I guess it's not that I'm obsessive. Are, fats key, like isn't yeah, it? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm not that I'm obsessive with it, but I would I would definitely look at it definitely. Mm. So we've talked all about that, but people don't really a lot of people don't know about your success. So like you started winning almost every race. Especially the local races, you were coming podium every single race you sort of event. And I remember is it Aileen Aileen Reed. Aileen, yeah. Um, and she, she trained a couple of times around Camel Lake, but she was going to the Olympics in two thousand and twelve. I remember reading an article. Yeah. And she was worried about you coming through that race, and everyone was thinking it was a home race. And um, she, so it must be nice seeing the likes of her posting, and you know Laura Wiley was right up against me here. People. Yeah. Just take it as a given I'm going to win a race yeah. just because I'm going to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but here it was, Laura was challenging me the whole way through that race. It was a real difficult race because she was there. But it must yeah. be nice to see those sort of things. Again, you've always had Aileen to look up to as well and a bit of a role model in, in triathlon for Ireland, especially mm-hmm. female sport. Um, she's really, she's obviously moved to Australia now, so she's retired and has a little one. But, um, yeah, it was great. And I suppose in that race for me, I think I was just coming back from probably the 700th ankle injury. That was probably in 2000, was that 2016. It must have been in and around Rio. Yeah, um, in relation to that, yeah, because I didn't do triathlon in 2012, so I was thinking <laughs> there. Um, it must have been in and around Rio. But, yeah, it was up in Derry for Ealing, and it was, it was a really good race. It was just good to be out of the water with Ealing. And Ealing's coach had basically just told me swim on top of her um, the whole way. So it was just like... So when I'm talking her and like whacking her, because that's what it's like in an international race as well. It's very aggressive. It's completely who can get to the boy first. It's just a absolute washing machine battle. But yeah, it's great. And I suppose you've had Ealing as an outlook, and I suppose it just gives you so much open-ended experiences as well. So you want to championships then? Turkey, yes. Um, you come seventeenth in that. Yeah. How did that come about? That you actually got into that. Uh, a bit of a shock to the system. It was the first international race. Um, yeah, it was it was an experience and it was a learning experience more than a race. Um, seventeenth, yeah, it was okay. Um, it just shows you the importance of the swim, bike, and run. It shows you the importance of transition there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's key and getting out on that first pack. I ended up out of the swim at the end of the first pack, but my transition was too slow, and I must have had a cup of tea or something. And, but I ended up at the front of the second pack but if I'd just made that first pack it would have yeah. been a different race um, entirely but it just shows you the small marginal gains mm. yeah that was over it wasn't yeah Istanbul yeah 100% oh, um, yeah so in 2015 how many have you done you can't remember I know, it's awful. <laughs> it in 2015 been... I tore my quad um, on my second international race so, so I tore 2015 that was, uh, that was in France a couple of months later was it it was a couple of weeks later yeah a couple of weeks Um. National champs, yeah, it was in Derry, City of Derry Triathlon. Yeah, third, it was a bit of a difficult one, that one, actually. Um, it was a couple, I was a running, it ended up as a running race. I went off, out onto the bike, out onto the run in about fifth or sixth place. And it ended up being a bit of a sprint finish. I think I actually had that on video. Um, don't think I'll ever forget that one, because again, if any race that I find for myself personally, um. If I'm not up there in the swimming the bike, it's all downhill from there. But I suppose it just shows you the attitude of don't give up. There's always yeah. an opportunity. And if, if I'd given up in that race mentally, then so I just came, knew that I was back to take a podium. To take a podium, yeah. 
um, running then. Do you find that was a bit of a turning point? You, you were on a real high then, weren't you? It was great, and I came to the end of 2016, and I was actually buzzing. Um, I think it was 2017 where I broke my arm. But Talk to me about that then, because oh. it wasn't just broke your arm, like you shattered your arm, didn't you? Yeah, I did so a really good job. you're sort of almost peaking. You've, you've come through that journey in a very short period of time. Absolutely. And all of a sudden, like your podium, your podium, all these races, you've come third in the championship, and... And tell me about that, how that happened. So it was actually probably my best year yet. I've been away a lot. Um, so I was away at Christmas with Triathlon Ireland twice. I was away with a French team um, in February. I was home and then I was away in Mallorca with my cycling club at the time. And then I was home and then I was away again to Font-Rameau for altitude training. And um, so I did three weeks at altitude and came home, obviously coming, dropping back down, you feel absolutely horrendous for the first week. The second week, I was starting towards the end of the second week, so it was the second weekend that I was home and I was due to race in Holland the following weekend. And I went out in a club spin and I didn't come back off the club spin in one piece anyway. Um, it was just a bit of a clash of wheels. It's a, um, one of those things, bad, situ- bad situation, wrong place, wrong time. Um, and whatever way I came down, I did a good job of my wrist anyway, shoulder, um, whole you elbow crashed your open. Arm, yeah, you? I broke it in about eight, if not nine places, Jeez. and there was a bit of floating bone and stuff. Um, <laughs> I was actually really bad. It was one of my friends. I can't remember most of it to be fair, but I texted one of my best friends, Matthew, and I was like, uh, "I crash. That was it. Nothing else. That's all I sent him." Apparently, I phoned my dad and was like. I might need you to come get me. I crashed and hung up. Nothing else. My dad was like, uh, where? So luckily I <laughs> left my phone and I one of the guys had answered being like, I need to phone your mum, I need to phone your mum. I was lying on the floor like, no, don't phone my mum. Um, and so he, my dad phoned back and he told my dad where I was. I was in Donna Clooney. The ambulance came and took me away and you were cut, your cycling gear had all been cut off, so you are running about like in a sports bra and a cut pair of shorts. And uh, <laughs> I ended up in Craig Avon Hospital. Um, x-rays after x-ray there for hours. My dad was with me, my friend Ma- Matthew had come down as well to the hospital. So it was really good, um, not. It was definitely a different experience. Um, mm. I I have a, an absolutely incredible physio, so I would go to Marty Lockhart. What, what sort of emotions went through your mind then about a week, a couple of days after that when it settled in and the realisation? The argument that I had with everyone then was that I had to cycle home and I hadn't finished my training session. And <laughs> that I had to run to do after. Pure stubborn. So yes. I didn't care what they said, but I was racing tomorrow. Um, at this point in time, I had persuaded absolutely everybody to do Peninsula Triathlon in my club so we had a like the biggest squad we'd ever had going down to that race and i was like no i have to be there um i'm racing tomorrow i don't care what anybody says i'm racing my wrist isn't broken and <laughs> it's just it's amazing like how much mentally can go through your head and i was just so convinced that my yeah. i was okay um but after that i obviously realized that i really wasn't okay i didn't actually realize the extensive of the injuries until after um, I have an incredible physio as I said there Marty Lochran he's based up in Cookstown the performance lab but if he was based in Limerick I'd probably still go to him mm. um, he holds me together so I texted him saying I'd crashed and 
I was going like, like my wrist was pretty broken sent him the x-rays and he was like right we need you to get you to Michael Eames was the guy did my surgery um called him on the Monday that's very important isn't it to get in the right person get in the right person he was like Michael Eames needs to do your surgery and no one else so I was like right okay so I had to get out of Craig Avon they'd casted me about three times but different doctors said it was casted wrong and uh, I'd ripped open the whole other hand so my dad ended up on like hairdresser duty to try and do the hair bubble it was awful um, the Sunday night, um, I didn't do anything on the Sunday. I got home, come out of hospital on the Saturday morning. Um, my coach, Stephen Delaney, came up from Dublin with a nice little turbo trainer to help me out in the um, training boring sessions. Uh, but that was, I suppose it's always looking at what you can do again. Um, yeah. I didn't notice the extensiveness of it. I saw the consultant on the Monday, which was absolutely incredible. Michael Eames like, went above and beyond to get me in. He didn't actually technically have an appointment until the 22nd of July. And this is on the 26th of June. And I was like, oh my goodness. So got me in that day. Surgery the next morning, wow. um, 7 o'clock in. And that's when I knew the extensiveness of the damage. And you prob- I basically was told that I probably wouldn't be able to get anywhere near full movement back in my wrist. And I was like, right, okay. And you just have to take it in and do what you can do. Um, so keeping a real good positive mind sounds like it's helped you. It's keeping that. a positive mindset. You can get down in the dumps yeah. like, very quickly. And with me, I couldn't swim. I have to say, I had such amazing friends. Like um, I can't even think to name them all. And mm. you couldn't go into naming them all. But my friends were around me from start to finish. I didn't actually have enough time. Like My dad was incredible. Like He literally drove me from... like drove me to physio, drove me to the hand consultant, drove me everywhere that you could and Marty was amazing. It was just taking the ups with the downs. Like you know you're gonna ha- have a lot of ups and you're gonna have a lot of downs too. And I think being told that I wouldn't get full movement and where I was gonna be and what I was doing was pretty difficult because mm. I was like oh, I was like literally at the highest point I'd ever been from a from all three sports perspectives, yeah. if I'm honest with you, um, and then just crash like that. It's just something that can happen, and I guess it's just something that sucks, but you have to be able to get back from it. And I think I was in for surgery on the Tuesday, got out of hospital on the Thursday, and was back on the turbo on the Friday. So there's never any doubt in your mind, no matter what people are telling you, and with movement, etc. Um, I suppose seeing the right people, giving you the confidence that this might be tough, but you're going to get through this. Seeing the right people was so important. I got surgery on the Tuesday, got out of hospital on the Thursday night, and I went to physio on the Thursday night. Start this process. <laughs> Fix me. I had a cast on, so they put a big heavy cast on, and Michael Eames was incredible. Um, two weeks and it was off into a little smaller cast. Now, that was even entertaining, so I went to the hand consultant to cut the cast off, and obviously it had no movement. I fainted took the table, like a single individual school desk. I'd locked my legs out around it. So I'd fainted backwards with this table coming towards me. My dad was with me. The, all the nurses were trying to fight this table off me and I wasn't letting go whatever way. I had like clumped my body until I came round. So it was, don't get me wrong, there was so many down days and there was so much like, um, if it wasn't for my mum and dad and my physio, like Marty literally is a legitimate lifesaver, like, and also just trying things that you know pushing it beyond what maybe you expect the rest to be able to do. Whenever you're told you won't be able to do this, 
I think that really helped me going forward because being told I can't do something, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to at least try it. Um, you always take it like a challenge. Yeah, hit me with it. The challenge, like the ridiculous things. Like I remember getting really angry because I'd been given an exercise to put a tomato on a fork and I couldn't do it. I literally couldn't pick up the fork and I was like, that is such a simple task. You're taught this in like, when you're like, what, two, three? And I just couldn't do it and I couldn't actually figure out how to put my fingers even around the fork. So I was doing it in the wrong hand and then trying to figure it out in this mm. hand and I just... It's been extremely couldn't. frustrating. It was so frustrating. There was tomatoes all over the kitchen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and much to my mum's dismay. And then just like gradually getting better. And like I remember the exercise I was doing, like trying to bring your fingers together. And I remember sending Marty's videos being like, it's nearly there. <laughs> um, he must have been like, this girl's a lipper. But... Uh, yeah, no, he was amazing. And if, see, if it wasn't for Marty, I don't think I'd be where I am now. He pushed my yeah. wrist above and beyond any So how much movement do you have back? If I remember rightly, we got it right back up to 79 and I was told oh. I would never get back past 20. That's unbelievable, isn't it? So, and don't get me wrong, it doesn't go back as far as what maybe yeah. it's meant to, but, and it doesn't, but... Let it hold you back and it'll hold you back. Don't let it hold you back, hold you back yeah. and it won't. Do you know that kind of way? Put it so that was mind. in 2000, was that June 2017? 2017. 2017. So that's it's, just it's, a year and a half. It's only a year and a half ago. Yeah. So you did have a miraculous comeback. Like, so you done, what was your first race back? Oh, I'll never forget that. Um, Castle Allen, actually, up in the park. So it's Olympia Triathlon Club yeah. organised it and I love that race. Um, it's great. And plus me and my training partner Michael would have a very good rivalry now to be fair he's substantially stronger than me he's a boy I'm totally okay with that but I'll totally tell him I'll beat him on the swim and I'll try to stay away from him <laughs> for as long as I possibly can but I do expect him to catch me it's okay um but we do we have a great rivalry like it's great like no matter what there'll be so much banter you know Brilliant. before the race just winds and it's like it's good crack and a couple of my other friends were doing it as a triathlon and I was like I need to be back for that race we're still on cast but I did it um, and I was sitting in the water and there was people on my feet and I was like, I have a cast on, like it's the wrong feet, go find someone else's today. <laughs> um, but no, it was great and I absolutely loved it. Like it was amazing. It was just like doing your first something again, like your first. Did you find it emotional then coming back after what you'd been through? I did because I was told I wouldn't be back this mm. year. Um, it was a bit of a roller coaster, and I kind of also felt really smug that I did get back um, <laughs> when I was told I wouldn't. And I suppose every setback, you have to set many goals around it. So I mentally would set a lot of many goals to help myself. Um, and it was like stupid things like sitting in the kitchen, if you can't get the tomato on the fork, walk away, do something else, and come back and try it again. And silly things like that. like. Whenever my arm was broken, I found it quite difficult because it was obviously summer, so the weather was okay. Mm. I got my dad to bring the turbo outside, and my dad was amazing. He would have sat outside with me in the turbo and with the laptop, and my friends were amazing too. Like Even though it was nice outside, they would have come down and set up the turbos and been there. And like nobody could agree that the turbo was boring. Like, <laughs> But I would still get up and get on it. And I suppose at this point in time, we were in a cast. There was no structured sessions. Like... I just had so many amazing people around me. That Great determination going. though yeah. as well. Yeah, 100%. And I guess you have to have it mentally because I could mm. very easily could have gone, okay, that's it. And I guess 
there's so much setback that you just have to think of how you can get back. Especially from where you were peaking. Really. Yeah, and I, I honestly, I still, I wish I could reverse time and not go back on that club ride, but you can't. And yeah. it happened, and it was wrong place, wrong time, and that's all it was. But that was the 26th of June, or 24th of June, and um, I think I was back racing by the end of August. Yeah. I did Titanic as well with the cast on, everyone thought it was nuts. That day. <laughs> it does sound nuts. Though. I know, it does. I had a cast on, and only thing is in Titanic, so I went to Dundonald for all my hand care and they'd moved the the cast that was on every week basically so in titanic the cast wouldn't fit inside my wetsuit whereas the week before it did so then i decided that i would put my cast in my helmet <laughs> sounds crazy put my cast in my helmet and i'll put it on in t1 so at least you have it on on the bike so it gave me that protection and to be fair do yeah, what you can yeah. i did cycle around like miss daisy um pedaling hoping that it didn't fall off and you get all the people being like, why are you letting all these people overtake you? And you're like, I have a fucking arm, like, good job. <laughs> um, but I suppose just doing what you can do and not putting too much pressure on yourself, really. So tell me about um, the half Ironman. Oh, yeah. Because um, that was last year. Yeah, that was last year. So that was actually a guy, I don't know if you know him, Aidan Callahan. He is a guy down from Donegal, 24-7 triathlon. He just messaged me asking me what to do it. And I was like, never really thought about it. You hadn't really done that distance no, before, had you? No, I hadn't. Um, and I didn't really set it as a goal. I just, in it's my eyes, even. did it for the crack. Sheep yeah, it's called Sheep Haven. I'm doing it this year again too, actually. Um, so I just did it for the crack. And I, I absolutely loved the distance. It was amazing for me. The water in Donegal. That, no, it was during the excellent weather too. <laughs> and the water was amazing. Everything was just set out from start to finish. The race organisation was absolutely incredible. It was the first year of the race. So absolutely fair play to Aidan. Um, from start to finish, the day was amazing. Um, we went down as a group of four, I think, and there was a couple of other guys from the club, and I'd kind of gone down with an expectation in my head, no pressure, and I'd never set anything in stone. I'd never said anything out loud either to anyone, not even my mum and dad, no one. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll just give it a go. Like, I kind of thought of a time that I wanted to do in my head and didn't really say anything about it, but. I was delighted. I had gone down and done the course before and it's a really, really tough bike but I think I would ride a road bike even in triathlons and all triathlons. I don't have a TT bike mm -hmm. so the TT bikes in the flat section were just coming past me and I was like, oh no, this is going to be awful. But I just had to stick to a plan and just go with what I was doing and you caught them all back up on the hill. Yeah. You get the odd feeling person that can feel your fire and um, by saying on the way whenever you're passing them on the way up the hill oh you're just doing a relay there i was like um <laughs> no bye um but it was great it was really really good but what your time was four hours 58 was it yeah sub, sub five. five it was 450 or something yeah really hilly tough course and too did you come first in it yeah so <laughs> you weren't going to mention that like but um so it was your first time doing that distance and you came first in it and like after your accident and coming to that like you must have felt amazing after that it was absolutely incredible and i think um it was amazing it was such a good day it was such a good feeling it was just like oh wow i actually executed it and it worked really well um everything went to plan because it wasn't that long after the accident really a year. your recovery a year <laughs> and like on those low points when you were sitting there after the accident 
like if you thought to yourself, you know, in twelve months' time, I'm going to be doing half this instead of winning it. I know. And you it's wouldn't quite think a challenging that. half. It's, as yeah, well. it's a really challenging half. You really can tell half. what really helped you there was the support group that was around you. My support work group was and incredible. That, and that real strong determination. Yeah, definitely. And I would say the people around you kept you really positive too. Like John Neil, especially. Like he doesn't even live near me, well he does, but not that far. But he would have come down here and gone for a run with me with a cast on, like and your people were looking at you as if you had lost the plot running about with a cast on. But like mm-hmm. as soon as I was able to run again then I was and Jessica Craig as well, I'm sure you know her from the running world, she was incredible. Like Susie, a, a lot of my friends are just absolutely incredible, really supportive. Like Jess would have driven down here and picked me up to take me to the gym so that I could still do one armed mm-hmm. workouts. But um I had the cast on, but just take it and do what you can. Like this arm doesn't work but the other one does, my two legs do, so that that's it as well. And as I come to realisation through my injury as well, I've been out for quite a long time. It was all of a sudden I neglected the things I could do. And for a while I was focusing on what I couldn't do. Yeah. And if you can switch that round, yeah. There's always something you can do. There's always something you can do. The, and you no can matter how train. small or what, yeah. whatever it is, like if you if you focus on that, then you can get that momentum energy back. Absolutely. And that confidence, that positivity to move you forward again. Hundred percent. And I think once your head goes everything's gone so tell me about Glasgow then the first European Championships yeah definitely Uh, bit of a shock to the system even being called up like last year whenever I came back from breaking my arm um, Sheep Haven and then next thing I was off to Flippin Canada and then I was away to Glasgow so Glasgow was an incredible experience I guess you just had to put yourself fully into it it felt amazing like after coming back from the injury then to be selected for the European Championships. Putting an Ireland tricep back, back on was a good experience, but also a scary experience because I knew my wrist wasn't fully recovered. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the same power that I had before. Swimming was much more difficult. And the swimming was not back up to international standard um, anyway. But it was very difficult in that respect. But at the same time, you knew you just had to mentally go for it and do what you could. There's no way you're going to say no to it. Oh, absolutely. You haven't said no to anything no. in your entire life. So. I don't think so far, no. I think if I would give everything a fair shot, um, I guess it's just about getting the opportunity to be there mm-hmm. and represent Ireland and be with the squad and being part of the relay as well, which is two days later. It was just an overall incredible experience. Yeah. And some of the names that were there, so, like, it's a world stage, really, isn't it? I know it's yeah. European. Absolutely. Like, it's the world-level stage. podcast with Finbar. McGrady as well. Oh, yes, Finbar, yes. And um, he was there as well. Yes, Finbar was there. I saw him on the start line and there was an athlete's village and everything was very official. And Some of the best athletes in the world were there. Like. Absolutely, 100%. And it was, you were competing on the same stage as them or you were being called called on the same pontoon as them. Um, and you just knew they had to put in what you had that day. And I think there was a lot of people dropping out in the run. Um, and my coach was asked, uh, by the other there's a lot of support from Ireland there was will Laura drop out and I was like unless Laura's leg falls off I don't think she's going to be <laughs> dropping out um, if she has to crawl across that line on her hands and knees she'll be there um, so that was it was just an incredible overall experience and again the support from home and the support from everyone like, I was going to say like the Irish support is maybe some of the best in the world 100% and I actually hadn't been too open about my selection so uh, <laughs> one of my fr- I would be quite secretive person and I would never be a person that would blow my own trumpet or anything I would just let people find out for themselves if they wanted to find out they'd find out but I remember one of my best friends texting me asking me well, did I want to go out um the weekend of Glasgow and I was like well I can't I'm in 
I'm over going over to the Europeans this week and she was like, what? How have you not told me this? <laughs> um, but I just keep things to myself. I suppose if people want to know, they'll, yeah. they'll find out. But overall, it was a really good experience and it does make you hungry for more at the same time. Um, gives you more opportunities. But at this time, again, I'm going back to the half distance this year just for Is that something challenge. you'd focus on then going forward, do you think? Yeah, again, I wouldn't ever cancel out the short stuff. I still want to get faster at all the fast stuff and I still really want to improve my running, um, which is really where East Antrim Harriers comes massively into play. Um, and again, just constantly pushing yourself towards new goals with people that are better than you and stronger than you. And I don't care if they're boys, I don't care who they are. They're, like, it's still a person and it's still someone that you strive to be able to keep up with or st- strive to be able to train with. And everyone trains differently, but everyone gets results. Do you think you found a niche in the half hour man? Potentially. Potentially, yeah. It might totally be for me. Um it's a bit of a longer event, nice distance. Um it does take out the importance of the swim, but I think from my bike developing with cycling with McConvey yeah. and cycling with people at like um at world stage level, like Matthew Taggart, Mark Downey, the likes, all those down your neck of the wood boys. I guess it's given me the opportunity to make myself better and um So yeah. sub sub five hours are great foundation absolutely it's time, like. a very good starting time it makes it difficult to improve on i think uh but i guess this year i'll go back to sheep haven and see what i can do and then next year i'll maybe look at a, a different race maybe a little bit further away or something like that i'm not sure so one race out there that at some stage in your life you you hope to do yeah 100 percent um it'll be it'll be an iron man i'm sure um but again i don't want to just do one for doing one i want to mm. do one to do one very well um, so it would be a yeah, very well executed plan. I haven't really thought about it, but I would always think about Barcelona. The mm. only reason being is it's towards the end of the, the year too, so you're not doing all your groom training in summer. Also, I've convinced um, John into it too, so we're just waiting until his daughter turns 16 and he's more training hours. <laughs> That's my main plan. Um, but yeah, I suppose just having the people around you again with Ironman training, you need someone yeah. who is similar mindset and so my watch has broken, which is the worst thing ever. I still have it here in tan line version, but um, I, there's a new one dispatched today, so hopefully it'll come. Um, but I was saying like to John during the week, I don't even need to run with my heart rate monitor with him because he'll literally be able to tell me what my heart rate's at and he's usually within one beat. It's crazy. So um, he's brilliant and he just support, he's supported me from the start to finish. And like again, I can't thank him enough because him, Lance and just the people that support you, like you wouldn't be where they are without them and I suppose it's having that everyone's gonna have an I can't be bothered day. Everyone no one can say they don't, no matter what level you're at. And um, right from grassroots right up to the top. But it's having people around you in the network and support I find that really keeps you going. No one thanks very much. No problem. Your determination is infectious. <laughs> Cheers, thank you. No problem. Another great episode. I always hope to bring a bit of variety into the podcast. And I have to say, Laura nailed it this week with a very inspirational episode. It's true what they say. Some people succeed because they are destined, but most people succeed because they are determined. Hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.